Today I'd like to do this. I'd like to put up some pictures on the big screen in just a moment. And these pictures are pairs of best friends from the movies. And I want you to tell me who they are. Are you ready? Nod your head if you're ready. Here we go. Okay, here's the first. Who is that? I wanted to start with something easy. And this is actually from a TV series, I believe. So that is who? Batman and Robin. And who is this pair of friends? Yeah, Dory and Marlin from what movie? Finding Nemo. Good. Now this one, um, let's identify the movie. What's the movie? Pirates of the Caribbean. And who is the pair of friends? Captain Jack Sparrow and Will Turner, a.k.a. Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom, just in case you want to know. Um, here's another pair of friends. Who knows what movie this is from? Lord of the Rings, and that is Sam and his friend Frodo, who is sworn to protect, sometimes from himself. Here's another, one of my favorite trilogies, Toy Story, one, two, and three. And who are the characters? Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. And who is his buddy, his best friend? Sheriff Woody, of course. Now here's the last one. This is an iconic picture of best friends. Oh, yeah. They said that first service, too. Yeah, that's Elliot. And who's his uh, otherworldly friend there? E.T., who wants to phone home because he misses his friends, his other friends. Now, here's what I want you to do. Think about this. If I were to ask you to give me your picture and we put it on the big screen, whose picture would go next to yours? Who would be your best friend? Now, Today, I want you to think about this. We have a banner on the stage that says, Begin a New Journey. That's the series that we're in. And today, we're going to talk about friendship in this way. Think about where you are right now with the friendships in your life. And then think about where God wants you to be with the friendships that God has brought to your life and how you can make that journey. And I want to do this. I want to go first to some principles in Scripture and then take those principles and, and talk about how to put them into practice. And as we talk about friendships and relationships, I want you to do this. Think about the actual people in your life. Think about your friends, your closest friends. If you're married this morning, think about the friendship that you have with your spouse and how you can take that friendship from where it is to where God wants it to be. So are you ready? You ready for the journey? All right, church family. Here is the first principle that we're going to look at this morning, and it's simply this. God wants you and me to have close friends. Now here is a, a verse, and when I first read this verse, I thought of Facebook. Here's what the verse says. Someone with many so-called friends may end up friendless, but a true friend is closer than a brother. And check out this verse from the book of Ecclesiastes. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in what? Yeah, real trouble. Because the Bible is clear that this life that God has given us is meant to be shared with other people. God never intended for us to go through life alone. He wants us to find a place in his family where we actually have close friends. One of the best examples of this is a man who wrote much of the New Testament. You hear about him in church a lot. His name is Paul, and sometimes he's called the Apostle Paul. What that simply means is this, an apostle is one sent. And Paul was sent on a mission by Jesus Christ. And as Paul was carrying out that mission, he discovered something. 
that he wasn't just following Jesus, he was now part of God's family and he had some really close friends. And I wanna show you some statements by Paul in the letters that he wrote, because he wrote all these letters, some of them are a part of the Bible now. And there's a common phrase, and I want you to tell me what it is. Let's look at the verses. Greet my dear friend Epinatus. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Statius. And then Paul writes this. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greeting. What is the, the phrase that's repeated again and again in Paul's letters? Yeah. Querido amigo. Dear friend. And notice this, Paul, he gets it. He understands that Christianity is not just for your head, it's for your heart. It's not just about believing, it's about belonging to a family where you can find close friends. That's what God wants for us. Now here's another important principle about friendships. You are influenced by your friends. And we know this. We know that we're influenced by our friends. And by the way, I'm really thankful that our students are here this morning, our middle and high school students, because this... This world of friendship is so important, no matter what stage of life we find ourselves, but this is a, a key principle. And again, Paul, the apostle, the one sent on a mission, wanted to be a good influence in the lives of his friends, those in the church and even those who didn't yet know Jesus. And he says this, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Now that's good because friendships can have a positive influence, but what's the flip side? They can have what kind of influence? A very negative influence, and Paul was a realist, and he bluntly said this. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, why is that? Well, because when you hang out with people a lot, when they become your close friends, you start to think like them and talk like them and often act like them. I had a conversation with a young man this week and he said, you know, Pastor Dudley, the older I get, the more I realize I have to be very careful about who I hitch my relational wagon to. I said, really? He said, oh yeah, because that person can either pull you out of the ditch or pull you into the ditch. See, the truth is that our closest friends greatly influence us and that's why this next principle is so important. Jesus is the friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners. When you have a close relationship with Jesus, when you hang out with Jesus, when you spend time reading his word and, and talking to him, it has a deep influence on your life. You start thinking the thoughts that Jesus would think. You, you start feeling the emotions that Jesus would feel if he were in your place. You start doing the things that Jesus would do if he were standing in your place. And the thing that absolutely blows me away is this, that Jesus would want to be our friend, the friend of sinners. Imagine the religious leaders. They didn't like Jesus. In fact, they hated Jesus. They wanted to destroy Jesus and they wanted to insult him. They wanted to come up with a, uh, a word, a phrase, something that would just offend him deeply. And so one day they look at Jesus and they said, you're a, you're a, you're a friend of sinners. Now, how did Jesus respond? I think he probably smiled. And he wore that name, that title, as a badge of honor because that's exactly who Jesus is. He is a friend of sinners like you and me. And we shouldn't be surprised by that because when you read the Old Testament, you see that God is the friend of people like us, people who have fallen, people who are flawed, 
People who have all kinds of problems. And we see that in this next verse. This is from Exodus. It says this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Abraham was called a friend of God. King David was called a man after God's own heart. And listen, the only reason we can have a relationship with God, a friendship with God, if you will, is because Jesus is the friend of sinners. And I'm so glad that he is because, see, our fundamental problem is our sin separates us from God. We come into this world with a heart that pulls us away from God, away from his plan, his purpose, and that sin is a barrier between us and God, a barrier to our friendship that we were designed for because God loves us deeply. But you see, the situation even is worse because it's not just that we're separated from God, our sin's done that, but because of our sin, God, a righteous Holy God has to judge our sin and punish our sin, and that punishment is for us to die and to be separated from God for how long? Forever. And that's some really bad news, but here's the good news. Jesus is the friend of sinners like you and me because we can't rescue ourselves, so Jesus decides, I will rescue the people that I love. So he comes to our world, and he lives a sinless life. And that qualifies him to be our substitute, to go to a cross and die in our place. And listen, Jesus carries out the most remarkable mission where God the Father is willing to put our sin on him and punish him in our place and he dies the death that we deserved. But then he comes back to life and he says, come and follow me. Admit you're a sinner. Believe I died for you. And here's what happens when you sign up to follow Jesus. You understand what true friendship is all about because church, the heart of Christianity is friendship. Friendship with God, but it goes beyond that. It's friendship with each other. Friendship in the family of God. And listen, you know, you can have a wildly successful career. You can make a ton of money. You can get your picture on the cover of Rolling Stone or Time Magazine. But if you win at life alone, you lose. Why? Because Jesus said, this is what life is about. It's about loving God and loving others. It's about deep friendships. And here's something else that I want you to think about. I wish we could talk about this for a long time, but it's simply this. When you're a Christian, the quality of your relationship with Christ will be reflected in the quality of the relationships of your closest friends. You see, if I'm really spending time with Jesus and I understand, man, he really loves me no matter what, then I can offer that kind of love to somebody else, especially those closest to me. If I understand that, that Jesus has forgiven me so much, then I can offer that forgiveness to others. When I say, Jesus, thank you for being patient with me, then I can be patient with other people. That relationship with Jesus affects our other relationships, especially those close relationships with people that we call friends. And so church, I wanna turn a corner here. I wanna talk about how we can develop those kinds of friendships. Those are some principles, here's some practices. And the first is this, by admitting our need for each other. Admitting our need for each other. Look at this verse from Romans, it says this, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us, and there's the key word, needs some of the others. What does it say? We need all the others, we need each other. Now this, this idea, this metaphor, if you will, that the church is the body of Christ, has deep meaning. How many of you woke up this morning? Just wanna make sure you're with me, okay? And when you woke up, you had this thought, I should go to church today. That was your goal, obviously, because you're here right now. This is not a dream. This is actually happening. <laughs> All right? 
Now, in order for you to get out the door, the parts of your body had to work together. That's so obvious, isn't it? Your brain had to say, hey, feet, you know, get the body out of the bed. Um, you had to get to the shower, grab the soap with your hands. Your eyes had to open and see the Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the pantry, right? Your body, the parts of your body need each other to accomplish your goal. Well, <laughs> what should be so obvious is pointed out explicitly in scripture. Look at this verse. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And yet, in our American culture, we're, you know, being independent, being a rugged individual is such a value. So many people live alone and isolated and disconnected from each other. And think again about your body. The organs of your body have to be connected to do their job. Isn't that true? I mean, your heart's got to be connected to your lungs. If it's not, it can't do its job. Your lungs have to be connected to your heart. Your heart and lungs have to be connected to your liver and your spleen and your kidneys and the rest of the organs. If you're disconnected from other people in the body of Christ, you can't do the job God has called you to do. Simply put, you can never achieve God's purpose for your life alone. We need each other. And you know where it begins? By admitting our need for each other. Now here's another way that we can develop close friendships by making a commitment to each other. Making a commitment to each other. There was a young lady who gave a picture of herself to her boyfriend and on the back she wrote these words, Dear Johnny, I love you with all my heart. I will love you forever. We will never break up. But if we do, I want this picture back. <laughs> Friendships that last require what? Commitment. See, God's committed to us, and he wants us to be committed to each other. Look at this verse from Romans. It says, be devoted, devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Have you ever done this? Have you ever sat down with a friend and looked him in the eye and said this? No matter what happens with us, no matter what happens to us, I will always be here for you no matter what. Now, what does it take to make a statement like that? It takes commitment. And that commitment is based on maturity. And it is maturity that causes us to have lasting friendships and lasting marriages. I saw a bumper sticker one time. It said this, you were only young once, but you can be immature your whole life. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. See, spiritual and emotional maturity is demonstrated when you live by your commitments rather than just by your emotions. Why? Because emotions are like a roller coaster, and we know this, right? One day you're up here, one day you're down here, someplace in between. But when you live by your commitments, it gives you stability. Because listen, if you're committed to somebody and you know they're committed to you, then when you run into conflict, you don't run away from each other. You work through it. You don't walk out of the relationship. That's what true friendship is all about. That's the kind of friendship that God calls us to. Now here's another way we develop close friendships, by being honest with each other. By being honest with each other. Now here's some, some implications of this idea that we're one body. This comes from Ephesians chapter four. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're connected to each other after all. And notice the logic here. When you lie to others, you end up lying to who? Yourself. 
Now, why is it so important to have honesty in a relationship? Because honesty builds trust. I mean, trust is the foundation of a friendship. So the, the question is, am I doing anything to erode the trust in this relationship? Am I a trustworthy person? When I say I'll be there, do I show up? When I say I'll do it, do I follow through? Does my yes mean yes? Does my no mean no? Trust is the foundation of a friendship, but what do you do when that trust is broken? And this is an experience that so many of us have certainly been through. Maybe you're going through that right now. There's trust that's been broken in a relationship. How do you rebuild it? Well, it starts here by being honest. I mean, really honest. When you said something, when you've done something to break trust in a relationship, you've got to own that. You've got to admit it and ask for forgiveness. And, and here's, here's such an important principle. For trust to be rebuilt, you have to change your behavior. Not for a day, not for a week, not for a month, but over a long period of time. Somebody has to know that you're serious when you say, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? They've got to know you're serious about changing your behavior so they can trust you again. How many of you have ever broken a bone? A show of hands. Okay, I have broken many bones <laughs> in my body over the years. And I've often thought how healing a bone is like healing a relationship. Think about this. If, if you break a bone and the bone is displaced, what does a doctor have to do first? It's called setting a fracture. He has to align the bone so it can heal properly. When a relationship is broken, when trust is broken, you have to align that relationship through honesty and confession and repentance and forgiveness. And once that bone is aligned, what does the doctor do? If you've broken, say, your arm, what does he put your arm in? A cast. That's to protect the bone, to give it time to heal. Relationships have to be protected and given time to heal. And the deeper the hurt, the deeper the fracture, the more time that takes. How many of you have ever seen an x-ray of a healed bone? Ever seen an x-ray of a healed bone? It's really remarkable because at the fracture site, your body deposits these minerals and it's actually stronger there. And that can happen in a relationship. You know, trust is broken and you go through this, this process of being honest and confessing and, and forgiving and the, and the bone is set and over time trust is rebuilt. Did you know, and I know this, I know this person, I've seen it in many of your lives, that that broken trust can be rebuilt and that relationship, that friendship can actually be stronger than it was before. And that's by the grace of God. But that gives us hope to keep going, to be honest, to keep moving forward in our relationships. Now here is number four, another way to develop a close friendship, by giving respect to each other. Or as one famous singer said it, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Look at this verse. I'm not gonna sing the song. Here we go. Respect, respect who? Everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Now listen, God certainly wants us to respect each other. And one of the ways that we do that is by how we talk about people when they're not present. One of the things that I try to do is when I'm talking about somebody and they're not in the room, I imagine what it would be like for them to overhear the conversation. Because that's the way we respect one another. And not only that, Jesus said something one time it's called a golden rule. Have you heard this before? Yes, in Matthew 7, 12, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is the cornerstone of respect. Now here's another way that we can build close friendships. Number five, 
And, and by the way, let me say this as we go to number five. On the back of your Bible study outline is the, the weekly devotional guide. There's one for each day of the week. Guess how many um, ways you can build friendships? How many are there? Have you already looked? There's seven. There's one for each day of the week. So this is something you can drill down on and really think about, pray about, put into practice this week. But here's number five. Number five, providing support for each other. Look at this verse from Galatians. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What in the world does that mean? In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Well, Jesus took the law, the Ten Commandments, and said, hey, here's the deal. Most important commandment, love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. What was number two? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying, if you want to fulfill my law, then love each other, carry each other's burdens. That's what a friend does. A friend helps carry your burden. And one of the best ways to do that is simply this, listen. Stop what you're doing and listen. Because that's what it takes to carry somebody's burden. Listen, we all need to know as we talk to somebody that somebody's trying to understand. And when you're listening, Please, please do this. Be gentle and not judgmental. And that's critically important because we need to know that, hey, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to want to break from your toddler. It's okay to have doubts about your faith. It's okay to struggle with an addiction. It's okay to have a burden. But listen, in order to share a burden, you've got to do what? Admit that you have the burden. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to do this. Maybe you have a burden today something that's weighing you down and you've been holding on to it and it's getting heavier and heavier I encourage you to share that burden with a friend listen you may be a student and you've got this burden and and you've been so reluctant to to let anybody know go to your mom go to your dad talk to them about that burden and if you can't talk to your mom and dad you don't feel like that would work for you then go to somebody else Go to somebody at your school. Go to somebody in your church family. Come to your pastor. You know, maybe you're married and you've got this burden and it's just, man, it's getting so heavy and you haven't shared it with your husband or with your wife. Listen, I encourage you to share your burden. And listen, if you feel like you can't share your burden with anybody because they just wouldn't get it, they, they wouldn't listen, they would, they would judge you, then do this. Share your burden with Jesus today because he gets it. He understands and he will listen and he wants to lift your burden. Now here's another way we develop close friendships, number six, by living in harmony with each other. Look at this verse from 1 Corinthians. Again, this is Paul. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that means this is really serious, right? By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. How many of you have ever been in a church family where there were no divisions? Are there any perfect churches? The answer, yeah, shake your head. That's right. There are none, including this one. Why? Because churches are filled with what kind of people? Imperfect people. Jesus is a friend of sinners. We're sinners. But, but, God says, hey, look, I really want you to take this seriously. I want you to have unity. So how can we work toward getting along? How do we work toward that unity? And here's a really important principle. Focus on what we have in common, not on our differences. Because listen, there's a ton of differences right here in this room. Let me, let me prove it. Quick survey. How many of you love dogs more than cats? All right, now the cat people are going, what? 
Okay, how many of you love cats more than dogs? Okay, you're distinctly in the minority, just so you know. <laughs> All right, what about this? How many of you are morning people? You love to get up early. How many of you hate people that get up early and wake you up early? Because you're a night owl. Okay, what about this? I was asked this question. How many of you are for the Patriots? How many of you are for the Rams? How many of you don't care? <laughs> Just want to see a good commercial for a change. See, we're really different, aren't we? We have different preferences. We have different gifts and different passions and different abilities and different personalities and different experiences. But listen, when you are a Christian, you have so much in common with every other Christian, not just here in this church, but around the world. And this is something that I have just had the privilege of experiencing in other places. There's so much that connects the body of Christ. Listen, we have the same Savior, don't we? Jesus rescued me. He rescued you when you're a follower of Christ. We have the same future. We have the same hope. We have the same mission in the world. And when we focus on those things, what does it do? It brings incredible unity to the church. I was thinking about this, and it, I've had this thought a number of times. Um, when we finally get home to heaven, what's it going to be like? We talked about that last week. One of the things I've thought about is I wonder if they're going to have church reunions in heaven. <laughs> Ever been to a high school reunion? Right? People get together and talk about the good old days. And, right? Wouldn't it be cool? And, and I don't know if this is going to happen. I'm going to request, but we'll see what happens. But we get to heaven, there's this like um, day where um, Boynton Beach Community Church has their like reunion. And all the people that have ever been a part of our church from its beginning to its end, we don't know what that looks like when Jesus is coming back. But wouldn't it be amazing if everybody got together and, you know, shared stories? Because here's the deal. There are people in our church family right now who are no longer with us. Some of them have moved away. Some of them have died. Some of them have gone to other churches. Some of them have just decided not to go to church. All kinds of reasons that people may choose not to be a part of a church family going forward. And I thought about a story that I read about this teacher. She was a Sunday school teacher. She had a third grade class. And so she's teaching about the omnipotence of God, that God is all-powerful. And she says to the students, hey, can anybody tell me something that, that God can't do? So a little boy raises his hand, and she knows this little boy well. He's the pastor's son. <laughs> Name's Billy. And she thinks Billy just didn't, he didn't get it. But I'll let him, you know, give his answer. She says, okay, Billy, what is um, so hard that God can't do it? And Billy says, well, I heard my dad say last night that not even God could make everybody in this church happy. Church is an imperfect place because it has imperfect people. But listen, one day that's going to change. The church is called the bride of Christ. One day that bride is going to be perfect and spotless. That's what the Bible says. And what a day that will be. And listen, because that will be what we're going to share together someday, what God wants us to do this day is to work toward that unity. And church, today we, we have this opportunity to remember how important unity is to Jesus. Because listen, Jesus is passionate, really passionate about the unity of his church, of God's family. Think about this. Before Jesus goes to the cross, he prays. And what does he pray about? The unity of the church. He says, Father, make them one even as we are one. And on that night that Jesus celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples, do you know what he talked about? Friendship. And let me show you some verses. This is in John chapter 15. 
because Jesus says this. He says, see if I can find this verse here. Well, let's do this. Let's go back, okay? And we'll talk about that verse in just, just a moment. But um, let me do this. Let me um, point out something that's so important for harmony to exist in our church family. And that is by forgiving one another. And let me show you a brief video clip. It's from the movies about two friends that are working through some conflict and forgiveness issues. Let's take a look. Donkey? What are you doing? I would think of all people you would recognize a wall when you see one. Well, yeah. But the wall's supposed to go around my swamp, not through it. It is, around your half, see? That's your half and this is my half. Oh, your half. Hmm. Yes, my half. I helped rescue the princess. I did half the work. I get half the booty. Now hand me that big old rock, the one that looks like your head. Back off! No, you back off! This is my swamp! Our swamp! Let go, donkey! You go. Stubborn jackass! Smelly ogre! Fine! <laughs> hey, 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 come back here! I'm not through with you yet! Well, I'm through with you! Uh-uh! You know what? You is always me, me, me! Well, guess what? Now it's my turn! So you just shut up and pay attention! You are mean to me! You insult me and you don't appreciate anything that I do! You always push me around or pushing me away! Oh, yeah? Well, if I treated you so bad, how come you came back? Because that's what friends do. They forgive each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're right, donkey. I forgive you. For stabbing me in the back. Oh! You're so wrapped up in layers, onion boy, you're afraid of your own feelings. Go away. See? There you are, doing it again, just like you did to Fiona. And all she ever do was like you. Maybe even love you. Love me? She said I was ugly, a hideous creature. I heard the two of you talking. She wasn't talking about you. She was talking about uh, somebody else. She wasn't talking about me? Well, then who was she talking about? Uh -uh, no way. I ain't saying anything. You don't want to listen to me, right? Right? Donkey. No. Okay, look. I'm sorry, all right? I'm sorry. I guess I am just a big, stupid, ugly ogre. Can you forgive me? Hey, that's what friends are for, right? Right. Friends? Friends. Great statement. That's what friends are for. That's what friends do. They forgive each other. Look at this verse. It says this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive each other. And then finally, here's a way you can develop close friendships, number seven, by being patient with each other, being patient with each other. And this is from Ephesians chapter four. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for, it, for each other's faults because of your love. Sometimes when you go to weddings, um, there are verses that are shared and often they're from a particular chapter in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. The first characteristic of love is this. Love is patient. 
So what does it take to put you on the pathway to patience? I think it's this, trying to understand someone, trying to understand their heart, trying to understand what they're going through. But realize this, if you pray for patience, brace for impact. Because God will often put you with people that will test and try your patience so that you can become a more patient person. You know, church, I think about how patient God has been with me and with us and that Jesus really is the friend of sinners. And Jesus talked about friendship before he went to the cross and this is something that we find in scripture. He says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And Jesus, knowing, knowing that he was going to go to the cross, said this, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus died so that we could be friends with God, so that we could be friends with each other. And so church, as your pastor, I want to encourage you to work hard at the unity of our church. Let's do what the scripture says. Let's love each other and forgive each other. Let's respect each other, be honest with each other. Let's support each other and encourage each other and be patient with each other because the truth is this. We need each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you for for your truth that really does help us to see how important friendship is. And God, thank you that we can be friends with you because Jesus wanted to be friends with us. And God, today as we celebrate the incredible love and sacrifice of our Savior, would you please do this? God, draw our hearts close to you and closer to each other. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.